being an entrepreneur is definitely not for everybody. I think that over the last few years and with social media, it's become much more popular to be an entrepreneur. I also think uh, when the economy was great and money was easy to get and raise, it was a lot easier to become an entrepreneur. What is up, podcast community? My name is Michael Chernow, and this is the Creatures of Habit podcast. Habits are everything, and on this show, I will be interviewing some of the most inspiring, motivated, and high-performing humans on the planet to learn about the daily habits, routines, and rituals that help keep them focused, determined, on top of their game, and ultimately, happy. My journey from the depths of addiction and misery to success as a family man and serial entrepreneur was only made possible by replacing bad habits with great ones. And my mission in life today is to share that story and the story of others with you to bring value and life-changing tools to as many people as possible. So sit back, relax, and pay attention because what you hear in this podcast today can potentially change your life. Let's go. What up, guys? Welcome back to the Creatures of Habit podcast. I truly love the summer, and I would say that I kind of equally love... Not Well, that's that's a lie. I don't equally <laughs> love the fall. <laughs> I love the beginning of the fall. I love September, the first week of September through the first week of October, and then I just want the summer back. Um, but... I'm really excited today because I've got a guest on the show who we tried this a couple of weeks ago um, in the studio. We tried to shoot a podcast and there was a live concert literally going on right outside the window of the studio. And so Steven Eisen was kind enough to come on back because it was just, it would have been impossible for us to record a podcast. And so I'm really, really grateful to have him back. He is um, He's a founder of a very, very, very successful business called Loki. Um, I'm gonna let him tell us about that. He also is an investor, an entrepreneur, um, and just a all around good dude, and I, and I know that we're gonna learn a lot from, from him, specifically because of the motivation for his company. Um, it's all about balance, it's all about balance. And I think before we dive in, you know, I just wanna give a little snippet on, on balance. About 10 years ago, I really did gun for a work-life balance. I was, I, I, I believe it, it is, today I believe it exists, but there was a period of time where I just, I, I kind of, I kind of drew away from that. And I think as a hungry entrepreneur that is trying to build, it, it really is tough to have this work-life balance. But I've gone to a place in my life where I, where I've kind of made the decision and said, you know, experience with people I love is far more important to me, honestly than what my bank account looks like. And that's the truth. And maybe I'm saying that now because I've had some successes, but I really do believe that there is a massive balance in my life today. And I can't wait to dive into that balance conversation with Steven. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you having me back. Yeah. Um, um, I want to ask you about, uh, well, well, tell us, just give us a little bio. Give us a little bio before we, before we roll. I am 32. I have two sons like yourself. Uh, mine are four and two. I'm married, live in New York. I've been here since I graduated college in 2013. Uh, and at Cornell is where I started my first business, Loki. Cool. And you are a 30 under 30, right? Yep. 30 under 30 uh, entrepreneur of the year. Who named you entrepreneur of the year? I was a finalist for Ernst & Young. 
And, and probably my favorite accomplishment is I'm the youngest member of the Make-A-Wish Foundation board. That is awesome. Yeah. What, um, this is probably a tough question to kick off with, but wh- why do you think you've been so successful? Like, what do you think, do you wake up with a drive and passion and desire, or, or what do you think it is? It's a great question. I've never been asked that. I have incredible self-confidence, and I'm also incredibly honest with myself and with others. And I think those two things have helped me a lot. Where do you think that self-confidence comes from? Growing up, my parents having always encouraged me to go after whatever I wanted to, uh, not being afraid to fail, and I think the competitiveness in sports and the feeling you get from winning. Do you remember being this way as a young kid? Always. Really? Yeah, I've always been this way. From an entrepreneur standpoint, I was always the kid with the lemonade stand. I was always the kid trying to make a few bucks. Was anybody inspiring you to do that, or was it just all you? My father was an entrepreneur as well, and my grandfather as well. That makes me so happy to hear because I'm, I'm, you and I are like the same. I was always, I grew up in New York City, so I wasn't selling lemonade on the corner, but I was literally at five years old laying out a blanket and asking my older sister to come down to the corner of 87th and 2nd with me and putting all my toys out that I didn't want anymore on the blanket and selling them for a buck. It's amazing. And then like going into the the card shop, this place called Alex's MVP when I was, I don't know, seven, because I got so into cards and and comics. And I would go in and I would I would like from like whatever I had, whatever cash I had, I'd go and I'd buy a grab bag because they had these like grab bags um, with cards and comics and I'd pull it out and I'd look into it and I'd see what I wanted and then I would literally stand outside of the store and just sell the shit that I didn't want. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's weird, you know, that that is something. That wasn't, it, interestingly, I wasn't inspired by my father or my grandfather for that. It was something that was, was innately kind of in me. But it makes me feel so good that you mentioned that, that you believe you are who you are today because of the influence of your dad. Because I have, my kids have been selling lemonade in front of our house upstate for the last three years. And they crush, like 150 bucks a day crush, you know, um, for like a five and an eight-year-old. It's killing it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you make them pay for the cost of goods? I make them pay, I make them pay for the cost of goods. I make them pay for the labor. Um, and now <laughs> they actually are working out for Pokemon cards. So I got them doing, every Saturday, I put them through a vigorous workout. Amazing. And uh, if they make it through, they get they get three packs of Pokemon cards each. That's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you've been this way forever, mm-hmm. as long as you can remember. Yeah. And um, do you think it has a lot to do with winning, or do you think it's the hunt? The winning for me. The winning. Yeah. I typically like to do things to accomplish them and conquer them, not the journey, which is ironic because my company is all about the journey. So I've had to learn a lot from my own company and uh, we'll get into it. But I, I think the journey of the company itself is filled with crazy highs and crazy lows uh, and has taught me so much about myself along the journey of a businessman, father, life itself. So talking to a guy that loves to win and has won significantly in his life, only 32 years old. Tell me about your worst failure and how you dealt with it. 
my worst failure. I wouldn't call it a failure, but Lokai was a rocket ship. And then for a while, what goes up comes down, right? Lokai is 10 years old now. Um, the sustained level of growth that we had was impossible. And so for a few years, the business started to shrink year after year after year. How many years? It exploded for three or four years. Then it came down for two, three years. And then now it's been relatively stable for the last five. Mm -hmm. uh, and those down years, a lot of the team quits, management style, you learn from yourself, like how to, how to be a leader in hard times. That's been very hard for me not to always be going up and up and up, especially when I started with it just exploding right out of the gate. What do you think you can attribute that to? I truly understood our product. And so if you don't know, Lokai, the lifestyle bracelet brand, uh, we have water from Mount Everest, mud from the Dead Yeah, tell, just tell yeah. us, because we're talking a lot. Of, I mean, tell, tell us what it is. Okay. I think it's important that everybody Yeah, so I'll give you the whole backstory. Give it. Uh, when I was 19, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And he was a huge inspiration in my life. And that was the lowest that I had ever felt in my life. And he, he, his disease deteriorated very fast. Um, and it got me thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through. Uh, right, I just got into Cornell and life was great. And then I had this. And so I was thinking about the highs and lows that I was going through and how everybody in life goes through highs and lows. It does not matter your age, demographic, income level. Every single human has highs and lows. So I was like, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? And I was always coming up with ideas. Like, I have, maybe you are too. Like, I have a notebook full of ideas. So, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? Mount Everest and the Dead Sea. And what if I took elements from those two places and incorporated them into a product that people could wear every day as a reminder to find balance in life, staying humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low? And my dad said that's a great idea, but everyone How, has, just I've got to cook because that I mean that's obviously like a remarkable idea, right? It's like a it's a I mean it's an unbelievable idea to come up with that. So how long did did the process actually take to come up with it? Ten like, minutes, really? Yeah, I came up with the whole idea, I drew the bracelet, everything within wow. ten minutes. Wow. Um, and and I told then him, sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> And I told my dad the idea, and he said, that's a great idea, but everyone has great ideas. Now go execute it. That's the hard part. And so um, ignorance is bliss. Didn't really know about fundraising, venture capital. I just started calling and figuring it out and doing it one step at a time. Uh, and I launched the product in June of 2013 when I graduated school. Uh, I worked on it throughout college. So I had a website, I had a product, I had everything ready when I uh, graduated. And I started just walking door to door in New York City, uh, walking into yoga shops, walking into boutique stores, uh, and literally saying as the manager owner here, can I pitch you on my product? And I did that for a year, year and a half. Uh, and I got turned down most of the time. Uh, but I learned that when I told people a story of loci, they always repeated back to me their story of highs and lows in their life. And we are the generation of Instagram, and right, Instagram was just getting going uh, in 2013, 14, 15, and I saw people with millions of followers um, that had a voice. And I would do research, I'd find out what causes they cared about, 
Um, and I'd reach out and I'd say, hey, we have a, a pink loci for breast cancer. I know your mom was just diagnosed. Can we send you some? And people would share their stories of highs and lows and really used our product as a vehicle to tell that story. Um, and it just exploded over the first couple of years, after the first year and a half. Wow. Me being an entrepreneur in the world of CPG as well now, like how did you handle inventory? And like, how did that? Like, oh. It was a disaster. This was before Shopify. Our site crashed like all the time. You know, our site went down. We didn't have a site one year for Black Friday. Like, it was just, it, we couldn't get it up. And so, yeah, I've just learned tons over the years and just become a better leader and man, manage things better now. That's an amazing story, dude. Um, and now Lokai is crushing, obviously. I mean, it's just out there and it's 10 years old and you've definitely, you're way beyond the threshold of it not working. It's definitely working and has been for a while. So when you stabilized there, did it stabilize from the down years? Yeah. Or did it come back up a little bit or where did it, how did it? So last year was the first year we started to grow again. It's funny, the business is 10 years old. I feel like I have an amazing grasp on, on who we are right now, but I still feel like it's so early in the business's life. Mm. Um, and so I, I think a part of being an entrepreneur is also patience and being able to evolve with the company and continue to be excited about it. Um, I definitely checked mentally checked out for a few years there in the middle, um, right? I think as an entrepreneur, you're excited. You're always thinking about the next idea. You always want to do more stuff. But I've actually come full circle now. I haven't been this excited about Lokai in five, eight years. That's very cool. Yeah. I know the feeling of um, creating something special and seeing it fly off the handle and three, four years in starting to see it not grow year over year. Yeah. And everybody around you is asking you why. And you're like, I'm doing my best. Yeah. You know, like there's new things, new things pop up. People are not, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's being a business person is, is, is really hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's incredible to hear that you've come full circle with it and you didn't like sell a bunch of equity and, and, and dip. Cause that's what I've done. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that a few times. And I don't know if that's because I believe that as an entrepreneur, if you don't take the opportunities as they come, there's a good chance that the pandemic can crash your business forever. You know, like yeah. I've got a lot of friends who are, are entrepreneurs in the brick and mortar space specifically, cause that's really where my, my, uh, my experience started and uh, had chances to take cash off the table for a few years, you know, and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And that's it, you know. Nobody's really investing heavily into existing brick and mortar businesses today, yeah. you know. There are people that are creating for sure today, but like existing businesses are having a really hard time. It's giveaway time. This week's giveaway goes to Drew's 211. We got a five-star rating from Drew, and he wrote, my new favorite podcast to listen to every day on the way to and from work. 
ordered my first meal one. Can't wait to try it and start a new morning habit. Thanks for the great info and podcast, sir. My man, thank you so much for the awesome review and rating. Shoot us an email at info at creaturesofhabit.com and we will get you out a box of meal one and a bag of nightcap. And if anybody else listening to this podcast wants the chance to win one of those, give us a five-star rating and review, and we'll do giveaways every single week. Back to the pod. We talk a lot about habits on the podcast. It's a big habit-focused podcast. I loved the listener to be able to not only hear great stories in a you know 45-minute period of time, but also have a few things to take home with them um, and to carry with them potentially for the rest of their lives. So um, not everybody is a habit person, but the listeners here tend to like to hear other people's habits. So do you have any, do you have a morning routine? That I'm you... a very big habit person. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, why don't you walk us through your morning routine, the ideal morning routine. So I'll give you my morning routine, but kind of even bigger than that, I really live by my calendar. Um, If something's in my calendar, I do it. And so everything is in my calendar. Even time with my family is in my calendar. Even date night is in my calendar. Um, Because for me, I find that execution is easy if I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And so if it's in their calendar, like this morning, 5 a.m., like cycle, like it's in there, I can wake up and do it. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I like to work out in the morning because, uh, you know, family, like afternoon, evening, like you can't be consistent. Um, so I work out in the morning, 7 to 8, I'm with the family, uh, start work at 8 every day. Um, and then I'll work until 5. Um, five to seven is blocked off. It's when I'm with the kids, hanging out with them, having dinner with them, uh, bathing them, putting them to bed. And then I'll either work a little bit at night, have a, have a dinner meeting at night, or be with my wife. Sounds like you and I have the exact same time blocking in our phones. Let's just see if it is exactly the same. Um, my phone's over there. So my calendar... I just told you, so you know mine. Yeah, so 5 a.m. to 6.30 is solo time. That's when I do my morning routine stuff. 6.30 to 8.15 is kids' time. Thanks. Um, 10 a.m. for me, I work from home from about 8.15 to 9.30, And then I work out from 10 to 11.30 for the most part. I drive to my office, and then I work at the office uninterrupted like three hours straight of no bullshit. So I, I time block in the workday because I feel like it's so important to have my workday also time block because if I am allowing my assistant or if I allow myself to schedule meetings all throughout the day, it's so hard for me to get like solid work time. So I block. That's a very hard thing to manage. It's so hard. But, yeah, the but meetings versus like the actual thinking. Work. Work and thinking and brainstorming. Yeah. So I, I actually block it out. So I, I have three-hour focused work time, no meetings from one to four. That's like my get shit done time. And then from five to – and then from four to six, I allow for meetings. And then from six to eight, it's family. And then from eight to like nine, sometimes I'll have to get back to work. But most of the time, I'm just chilling with the wife. Yeah. Dude, you and I. And I go to sleep at nine. That's – if there's anything to take away from this, I think the single most important thing is sleep. <laughs> uh, I try to sleep at least eight hours a night. You know, I, um, 
I love that you say that because in the podcast that, that I dropped last week, I think the tagline of the actual podcast was when people ask me what's one thing that I find to be arguably the most efficient way to be successful in life. What's one thing, like one piece of advice? And I always answer with, what time do you go to bed? That's it. I'm like, what time yeah. do you go to bed? Because I think not, it's not only the sleep component, which is arguably the most important time through, you know, in the 24-hour period that we get to recover and just be a better human being. But if you go consistently to bed early, you will consistently wake up early. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And when you wake up early, that's time that you didn't have. So you just earn time. You Absolutely. can't pay for it. You can't Absolutely. pay for time. And if you're not sleeping enough, you're tired, you're not thinking well the next day. And I, I like to talk, talk about how being an entrepreneur is kind of a, a career. It's not a company. And like I plan on doing this for the next 50 years. And the last 10 years... I've learned you can't burn yourself out. And so um, getting to sleep early, waking up the next day and just crushing the day and doing that over and over again for 10 years, you get far ahead of everyone else. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Sleep is number one priority. Do you have a wind down routine? Not really. So you guys, so you, for you, it's just hang out with wife for the most part. And she's the one that, is like very strict about her sleep. So uh, she's, the, she's gotten me to be better at sleeping. And so it's usually like, okay, time to go to sleep. All right, I'll come <laughs> with you, let's go. We do the same thing. <laughs> same thing, my wife is, you know, she's definitely pushed me in that direction yeah. as well. Outside of the time blocking, are there any things that you do throughout the day uh, where you check in with yourself, where you're just like, all right, it feels like the walls are caving in on me a little bit. Like, are there any habits that you, that you implement that help you through tough times throughout the day? For me, it's just working out. Whether that's running, cycling, lifting, like if I had a tough day and my wife can see it, like I'll go for a run at the end of the day. Um, that time of working out is like where I release my stress and it's my time. And so not throughout the day, but yeah, work out. You know, it's so interesting that as you know, su super successful entrepreneur, coming up as an entrepreneur, and even before that, I always thought that I had to work like, like if I wasn't working 12 to 14 hours, I'm not working. And now I'm very similar to you, where I work basically from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I work out for an hour and a half in between that. So I'm, I'm, I'm only really wor like working between seven and eight hours a day. I, I, would, I would probably like talk shit about me when I was starting as a guy that just wasn't willing to put in the work. Sure. Well, how do you feel about that? I think it takes years of overworking to understand how to work smarter, not longer, right? And, and if you think about how much money people make, there are billionaires, right? And there are people that work minimum wage there's only 24 hours in the day so like time can't be the factor that determines how successful someone is uh, so I think it's like what you do with your time that delivers how much money you make or that could the very well that you be have. the most eloquent way of, of, of answering that question I've never heard anyone say that that is fucking brilliant 
I love that. That's, that is the podcast right there. Time cannot be based on the fact that there are people that work minimum wage and there are billionaires. We all get 24. Yeah. Right? We all get 24. It's what you're doing. It's what you're doing. If we can unpack that a little bit, what do you think drives? Forget, like, the, the amount of money somebody has. Mm-hmm. But what do you think drives the difference in how people spend their time? Focus. Think, I think to build something great, you have to be incredibly focused on exactly what you're doing. When you say focus, what do you mean? I can just use, use myself as an example, right? The first few years, I, all, all I did for work was loci, loci, loci. Then I started investing. Then I started another company called Elements of Balance, beverage brand. Um, when you're thinking about all these different things and you're like trying to do multiple things at once, it's hard to like do one thing really, really well. And so I think a lot of people have tons of ideas and try to do multiple things at once instead of focus and do one thing great. So you think that if you really want something to be great, you really should not focus on any other business outside of the one that you're, you're gunning for greatness. Definitely. So would you, if you could now... Would you change anything about the decisions that you made a few years after you launched Loki? I like to live with no regrets. Uh, so, no. Because I think every, everything since then I've, has been a learning. And, and I also, for better or for worse, I love to run full steam ahead. And, yeah, sometimes I make mistakes, but I'm learning those mistakes very fast. And so I think... At the age of 32, like the amount I've learned in the last 10 years has been insane. So what will the next 10 years look like based on what I've learned in these 10 years? So, uh, yeah, I don't really regret anything, no. Have you ever had business partners? Not really. No. No co-founders, no. And when, when we talked about the failure piece where you, where you kind of, I mean, it, it wasn't a failure because <laughs> your company's kicking ass and taking names, but when you were experiencing that and you felt at that time like it was failing, how did you respond to it? I responded by like focusing on other things. So you ran away from the problem, you think? Yeah, to some degree, absolutely. And how did you get back on course? I think I've, I've come to understand and realize how special of a mission uh, and purpose the company has, uh, and how much people love the brand, um, and how much it's changed their lives. And I think impact for me has always been something I've focused on, right? From day one at Loci, we've always given 10% of profits to charity. I'm involved in nonprofit organizations and sit on the board of Make-A-Wish. Um, and so to maybe go out, see all these other businesses and, you, you th- sometimes you think the grass is greener somewhere else, but I think I've realized it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm very engaged and excited about the future of Loki. You guys have donated over $9 million to charity from the company. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. Thanks. I mean, that's truly like, that's, a, that's very, very special. Yeah. It's the best part. Is it all towards Make-A-Wish? No. Uh, we've donated over a million dollars to Make-A-Wish. Um, but we have about 20 different nonprofit partners that we work with. Cool. 
Creatures of Habit is doing our first real charity event on October 14th. And uh, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I was, I've been in recovery for 19 years. That community of people, I owe my life to, you know, the recovery world. And so I've always tried to, I was always trying to figure out a way to the right timing, the right partners to really sort of do something impactful, right? Because I think charity is something that, you know, that a lot of organizations can just sort of write a check to and absolutely really not know what is done with that cash. Know that it goes to a good cause, but like really what it what is actually happening? Is there any tangible like gratification from from where that money goes? And so on October 14th we're doing an event with uh, a company called GoRuck, which is like a like a really cool business um, uh, veteran owned and uh, and and a, and a foundation called the Release Recovery Foundation, which is uh, a sober living company that has a for profit and non profit, and basically their non profit raises funds for sponsorships to get addicts off the street and into treatment. And um, and so we're doing this really cool ruck with Go Ruck. We've done this um, collaborated weight vest, and so we're rucking eight miles. You should you should join. I'm down. You should join. Um, Amen. Uh, we're gonna raise a hundred. The goal is to raise 175 grand and uh, get something like 30 addicts that are willing, because you can't really, you know, you can't force anybody to do anything. But there's a lot of addicts on the street that actually do want to get help, um, and so that's gonna be our, that's our sort of the beginning of our of our movement towards helping the oh, world of recovery. It's amazing. I think entrepreneur is a. It's become a very cool category, right? It's become a very cool classification. Trendy. People want to be entrepreneurs. It's trendy right now. Yeah. I mean, it has been, though. It has been. You know, Not 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe not. Not, not nearly as much as, as it is now, for sure. But, you know, when you really think about entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, 40 years ago, it was like cleaners on the corner. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's like the entrepreneurs of, 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 yeah. of, the day, of, the, of the early day. Right, like the grocery store owner, the cleaners, the, the shoe sure. store. You know, like those were entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, because, like today, if somebody opens like a really cool sneaker store, they're like, "Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur." You know, but 45 years ago, when you're like, "Yeah, what do you do?" You're like, "Oh, I own a shoe store." People were like, "Man, okay." <laughs> you know, where's the tax? Where's the account? Where's the accountant? You know, where's the doctor? Today it's cool. And I think something that is needs to be more polarizing because there's this like smoke and mirrors about entrepreneurship. It's one of the hardest fucking things to do. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> and, and most of the time, and most of the time, you're battling out of a hole. Always. Yeah. It always feels like you're battling. Talk about that. Yeah, I, I think um, being an entrepreneur is definitely not for everybody. I think that over the last few years and with social media, it's become much more popular to be an entrepreneur. I also think uh, when the economy was great and money was easy to get and raise, it was a lot easier to become an entrepreneur. Um, I, I also think with the, the internet, you can figure out how to do almost anything now. So it's become a lot easier to become an entrepreneur as well. Mm. So I think a lot of businesses are started, you only see the highlights of the successful ones. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's definitely not for everyone, but if it's in you, it's like a bug and, and you have to pursue it. Like I've never worked for anyone in my life and 
I, I think I would be a terrible employee <laughs> as well. I, I would love to just give a little advice for the entrepreneurs out there. Because most of the time when you ask an entrepreneur, even entrepreneur to entrepreneur, how they're doing, how business is, nine out of 10 people are going to say, great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I think it's just simply not true, right? Like I kind of equate it to Mount Everest, right? Mount Everest is one of the greatest feats of all time, physical feats, climbing up to that mountain. You spend years in preparation and weeks in the actual journey to the top and you get to the top and you're there for a minute maybe you know you high five the people that you just climbed did this massive feat with and then you come back down mm -hmm. and i feel like entrepreneurship is very similar to that you spend years in preparation years climbing fucking very close to losing your life like all the time and then there are these like random high fives where you're like, yes. And then you walk back down. <laughs> you look for the next mountain to climb. Yeah. You know? It's it's a good analogy. It's like a it's like a real um, glutton for pain yeah. lifestyle. I, I think the um, if there's something for the listeners to, to think about, it's that are entrepreneurs. Why are you an entrepreneur in the company that you're building? Is it is your main purpose to try to make a lot of money? Or is there a bigger purpose of why you're doing what you're doing? Because it takes a long time to build a successful company. And if you are doing it just for the money, one, there's way easier ways to make more money. Uh, and two, I think you'll burn out along the way or, or want to raise the white flag. I think to truly be a great entrepreneur and build a great company you have to have a purpose bigger than making money. And do you think that is the driving force for you? For Lokai, yes. Uh, Not the, for the... the, I, the where Lokai started from was out of the grief of my grandfather and the message, it was not about, let me start a business to make a lot of money. So for the entrepreneur in training, for the, for the, the, the person that has a great idea and is still working their job, but they're like ready to take the leap. What would you say to them? If you spent 10 years working on your idea and never made significant money from it, would you still be very happy with that 10 year journey? I love that. Um, habit that you've broken. Are there any habits that you've broken over the years? Um, anyone that stands out? How did you break it? I don't drink coffee anymore. Was that a big one for you? Oh, yeah. I used to crush three, four coffees a day. I found that and I, I drink matcha now. I would have, I would wake up t more tired. I would need coffee. And then in the afternoon, I'd crash. I'd need more coffee. And I'd be more jittery throughout the day. And since quitting coffee, I've like been incredibly calm, had more energy in the morning, more sustained energy throughout the afternoon, and then sleep better at night. So kind of the whole cycle. Hmm. So that's a habit that I've cut. And so when you cut out coffee, because now you're making me think, I mean, I've obviously thought about giving up coffee. I just fucking love coffee so much. Um, what do you love about it? The ritual, I think. Yeah. You know, I love the ritual. Going to the coffee shop, getting your 
Journey. No, like I love waking up in the morning, you know, I mean, I wake up so much earlier than my, my wife and kids, but I don't drink coffee for a while. I don't drink coffee for like, until I make it back into the house at 6.30 to hang with them. But that time where I like grind the beans and get my pour over and like pour it in and the smell, like I just love that ritual. But I could do the matcha ritual. <laughs> Try it. Well, so was it, did you just cold turkey it and just slip in the matcha? Yeah. And that's, that's my personality. Like if I say I'm going to do something, it's pretty easy for me to do it. So mm -hmm. like I just cold turkey one day. Stop. Do you use a specific matcha? No. Just any matcha? Yeah. I mean, there's good and bad. Do you, oh, you don't make it at home. You buy it. You go to this, you go to like the coffee shop. shop. Yeah. My wife has a matcha brand. Uh, I forget the name of it. Mm. Make it in the morning. I know that there's a bunch of different like yeah. la layers to the matcha game. Totally, I'm not. I'm not deep in the matcha game. Um, you know, I think uh, there's so many, so many nuggets in this, and so many gems that we're going to be able to like. I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast is walking away with enormous value. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. If um, if I can ask you to just finish with one final thing, you've done a lot, dude. In your 32 years of life, you've you've created a, a business that's made massive impact, and you've got other businesses that you're invested in, and you're a father, and you're a husband, and you've got two kids, and you've done a lot in this short period of time. I guess two questions: one, why, and two is how would you like to be remembered? Mm, great questions. I personally have always wanted to fulfill my greatest potential. That is what drives me every day. I never want to say oh, I could have done more. So for me, it's about that. And I want to be remembered for being an incredible father and husband and friend. Um, I would say some I'm incredibly loyal to my friends um, and someone who's changed the world for the better. I think that uh, is an amazing way to finish this podcast. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, everyone, if you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with someone. I believe anybody who hears this podcast, this specific episode, will truly walk away with awesome value and a feeling of inspiration because Stephen really, I mean, the guy exudes this calm, cool, collected, but like super smart and knowledgeable aura. Um, you should definitely check out Loki. Where can we, where can people find Loki? Loki.com. Loki.com. Thank you so much, Stephen, for being Michael, on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And there you have it, folks. I hope we delivered some valuable content for you to implement into your life on a daily basis. Please remember that our habits have the power to make us or break us. Replacing bad habits with great ones is the answer to living a life of happiness, optimism, and high performance. We are capable of achieving anything. We all have what it takes to give it all we've got. Commit to one great habit each day and truly commit and watch how everything in your life starts evolving from good to great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a nice review that will help us grow this podcast 
bring on more amazing guests, and continue to deliver invaluable content on a weekly basis. Lastly, please share this podcast with any friends or family that you think might appreciate it. And always remember, want plus do equals have. Until the next one, fam. Peace.